to the Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Kuttner, and I'm so glad you're here. This podcast will help you find ways to live a more authentic life. Every week, I have guests on the show from yoga teachers to meditation instructors, everyone to help you feel like the best you. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So today on the podcast, I have Dr. Kevin Beeser. He is a doctor of chiropractic and also an athletic trainer. Um, He works out of Monmouth and Middlesex County. And I'm so happy to have Dr. Kevin on the podcast. Likewise. All right. So I'd love if you could just start by telling everybody a little bit about you, what you do, and why you do it. By trade and training, I'm a chiropractor and certified athletic trainer. Um, I'm also, I have additional certification as a board certified chiropractic sports physician. Um, I've worked around the country. I started off in sports medicine and I've kind of worked from that and grown into a more holistic and um, all encompassing provider. Um, But as a person, um, I love adventure. I love learning. I love looking for opportunities that give me a lot of excitement and a lot of chills and kind of challenge the way I go about like my approach, like whenever I can. Um, you know, that includes, I worked rodeos, I worked uh, World Series of Beach Volleyball and worked with uh, a lot of cool settings. So that has given me a lot of opportunities to kind of change uh, or just kind of see things from a different lens as many times as possible and kind of shake things up. Yeah, I'm relentless in my pursuit of experiences, as I said, and knowledge that makes me a healer like um, not many others. Yeah, I love that. I especially like that you said you give yourself different opportunities to maybe change your perspective or see things differently. I think that's really key. I feel like as long as you're open to growth and expansion, like you're always going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, that kind of started, so I don't really share this too often. Uh, I started off as an athlete when I was younger. That's kind of what got me into sports medicine. Um, To begin with, I was a track athlete. I went to college for track, and shortly after starting, um, yeah, actually getting to college, after a few months, I I got struck with walking pneumonia, and yeah, I was doing my workouts and then spitting blood not to go into too much gory detail. Yeah, it was a very, it was kind of like an identity shift because I had to stop running for a lot, for a while. And I didn't really know what to do with myself. And my roommate at the time, he was a, he's a musician. Now he's a producer in Nashville. And he dragged me to this audition to do uh, Greece. <laughs> I didn't expect to do anything with that. I was just hoping to be like part of the set crew, but they were so short for guys that they just told me to sing a random song. And I did without any musical experience whatsoever. And from that time, it just got me used to kind of trying new things and like getting out of my comfort zone. Mm. And I try and bring that into my profession now. So and just kind of hold on to that um, that experience of doing things that you are just not used to or seeing. Yeah, I really like that. I think that's a great story. And I think, you know, forcing ourselves to get into uncomfortable situations is really the only way we could grow or expand. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, so... I went from running around in ovals to singing Grease Lightning on stage. And that was a, I won't show anybody that recording, but (laughs) it was, it was fun. Yeah. It's definitely good to put ourselves in different situations and just show up. So kudos to you. And, you know, obviously like some sometimes things like are really sucky at first, but like you said, when you change your lens of perception, um, you know, the situation itself changes too. 
Right. And I think, um, you know, while there's a lot of hard times with what we're all going through right now, I think a lot of people have taken a step back and have seen, have been forced to do a little introspection and realize that, oh, like, they've been doing some routine for so long that they forgot what was happening to them. You know, so often we go and do our daily drive. We forget what happens on our commute to work. We um, kind of get stuck in the motion of a lot of how our life goes. Um, and I think this whole pandemic, while, you know, I'm heartbroken for all the effects it's had on the community and our families and our friends, I, I do think there is a silver lining yeah. um, from it all. Whether you know, I know it's going to take some time for people to fully recover from it, but hopefully it gives them a new perspective and lens, like you said. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I also just want to talk about healthcare in general. I think, you know, what COVID definitely illuminated is that we don't all take the best care of our health. And I think as a society, like I personally would love to see some changes in healthcare. So how do you use chiropractic to help people feel well? Right. Well, um, a lot of times people come to me with the assumption that I help with neck and low back pain, mm -hmm. right? You know, that's kind of what everybody's first uh, thing they look for when they you know, when they search for, I have back pain, which I mean, 80% of the population at some point in their lives end up with some sort of back pain. So like, while I wish people thought of chiropractic care more for other things, it's a lot of times a blessing when people finally have something that they're willing to go and get help for. And it opens up the door to all these different things that they didn't realize they could, um, that could be kind of paired up with this back pain, whether it be different medical conditions, whether it be different like joints in their body further down the chain, like towards your ankles or knees, like it just kind of opens up Pandora's box. And ultimately that should be the goal of healthcare is to put health back into people's hands and give them tricks and tools that give them the most bang for their buck instead of having to rely on the medical system. Yeah, I agree with you. So I think a great segue is to talk about the mind, body, spirit approach, because I know that's really important to you. And I know that you like to see things in a holistic way. So why do you think taking care of our mind, body, and spirit is so important when it comes to healing or, or better health? Right. Um, that's, I love that we have that same mission, that same philosophy and that same approach, uh, you know, the spirit, mind, body approach. You know, we, we hear that tossed around a lot, especially in the wellness profession. Um, I got exposed to it when I was in college. My college's mission statement up at Springfield College was uh, educating students in spirit, mind, body and leadership and service to others. But a lot of times people kind of get confused on what that means. And it starts with just defining what that means to us. For a while I was, you know, spirit, a lot of people can get confused when it comes to like karma or religion, like different things like that. But really we all, that's all, um, you know, per, people's personal philosophies. What spirit to me um is when I bring it into a healing approach is the fact that we have a vital energy that keeps us running. Mm -hmm. You know, we um, it's there when we're alive and it's gone when we're dead. It keeps our hearts beating. It keeps everything flowing, you know, and those who kind of have a hard time wrapping their head around it. Um, you know, you, you think of people who have their legs or arms amputated but they still have the pain that is where that limb used to be. And it's because we have this field around us that like is comprised of energy. If you break down a cell enough times beyond the subatomic particles, you have energy. That's all that's left. So we have to address that in order to help the person, you know, it's, and there are a lot of 
ways that people address that, but it, some people only get addressed when it comes to at least their musculoskeletal pain from a biomechanical approach. And a lot of times I do help people a lot, but before I was starting to incorporate some of the other things that I do, it was a very strictly like conventional biomechanical sports medicine type approach that people got good results from, but their condition kept coming back. Um, you know, they, they kept having temporary or incomplete results and they just kind of adopt this idea that I'm going to have this pain my whole life. And I want to be the ones to say that's not true. Um, sometimes people respond well to that. Sometimes people don't. Um, but I want to be at least a person to, to give the person confidence to be, to be able to experience a full, full recovery. You know, the mind and body aspect of the triangle, people have an easier time wrapping their heads around that. But when it comes to the spiritual aspect, you know, we need to, we need to address that when it comes to like kind of pulling the, it's almost as if that concept within us gets tossed into the sand and it's get, gets buried into the sand. And what we need to do is just kind of pull the sand back and try and get that um, part of ourselves, that perfect triangle exposed when we address people and try and try to heal them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's all connected. So I, my first question for you is what is your approach? I know you said like you do things a little bit differently. So I think a lot of people are probably wondering what exactly does that mean? So what's your approach when it comes to your patients and the healing process? Right. So, you know, the, the, the best physician in the world is the subconscious mind, hmm. right? Like there's, your, our bodies know everything that's happened to it. It, re, it records everything. That's why we hold on to cer certain emotions. That's why certain things start coming up. That's why if we smell a certain smell, we start crying for some reason, mm -hmm. right, right? Like it's, um, everything is written down as like, and it's in a blueprint in our mind somewhere. Um, and there's a way to assess that in our body's responses. So a lot of what I do is, um, is through arm testing mm. because there is more motor and sensory input to the right arm than any other part of the body besides the lips. So I test with different reflex points. I also test with um, the body's responsiveness. When there's a stimulus that the body doesn't like, and you test the strength of certain like, of that right arm and the body doesn't like it, it, that arm will go weak. And it's, it freaks a lot of people out when I ask certain things and there are ways of like kind of getting the information out of the body, but you know, it comes in unconventional ways and unexpected ways that people um, don't really, you know, the, not everything has a great explanation or a perfectly science-backed explanation. Um, but when it's done over years and years, and this type of work has been done for decades, um, you know, there is some validity when it is done over a length of time that is always supported. Yeah, I think that's interesting. It's kind of like the fight or flight response. Your body either tries to fight what's going on or it just becomes dismissive so yeah. i feel like that's a good parallel for like the arm going weak right um and also there are different reflex points that i test um you know obviously i, I do things conventionally when it comes to sports medicine when it comes to exercise like i have all the tricks in the book um, i've learned from amazing people in that sense and i can adjust any extremity like that people might have complaints with, whether it be fingers, elbows, wrists, shoulders, knees, ankles, toes, all of it. Um, but there's also, you know, everything that happens in our body has to go up to the brain. Mm. And it has to have, there are certain relay points around, like throughout the body. And there are reflex points in the skull, on the skull. 
where if you palpate and there has to be, it's almost like a circuit board kind of response. And when there's a certain tenderness at a, at a certain reflex point, it's your body asking for help at that area of the body. And it's the body telling or the brain telling the body that we need to send more, um, more information, more energy to that area for it to heal properly. Mm-hmm. And it just needs help sort of thing. So if you find different reflex points, it'll be exquisitely tender with just a little bit of pressure. Um, and then after the treatment's over, I'd recheck the, that point and there's no tenderness. That's so, so interesting. It, it is. And it's stuff, I mean, it's stuff I'm still learning and it's stuff I'm like continuing to learn, but it's something that helps people with very significant illness, um, including some of the friends that I referred to my mentor who's teaching me in this stuff. Um, and it's because of the results I saw in the people being helped by this work that I decided to invest and get involved and start learning it. Yeah. I think that's also great to just talk about your mentors. So I know that chiropractic is not just the spine. It's not just the neck. (laughs) Your mentors in chiropractic, what specifically have they helped you understand a little bit better about it? Right. So my first chiropractic mentor, when I've moved out to California, that's where I went to school, um, within two weeks of being um, enrolled, I was dragged into this, not dragged, but I was invited to an extremity manipulation seminar. And it was taught by somebody who's considered the best in the world at that particular at, um, extremity manipulation. So he was a very renowned sports chiropractor. He worked at the 92 Olympic games, um, adjusted Carl Lewis at the starting line, worked on the whole dream, like NBA dream team, Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, all of them. And he, had techniques that were just mind-blowing to me at that time i was still like you know i'm obviously still but uh coming out of athletic training school i was very obsessed with sports injuries and um different ways to help those things um and he showed me ways to to treat the human body that i've never seen before so i stuck with him like every seminar he did i tried whether it was in town or if it was across the country, I tried every chance I could to go and see him teach. And eventually I was a student helping him teach at different seminars across the country, including the professional football chiropractors um, at the NFL combine. Uh, So he showed me ways of treating different sports injuries that have given me amazing response, like results. And it also gave me like the fact that I was working while I was in school on for different sports. I worked as an ATC in conjunction with my schooling and worked with football. I worked with beach volleyball. I worked with lacrosse, like, um, and had my hands on these injuries and had new ways of implementing these techniques to the injuries that I was seeing on a daily basis. And it really helped refine my touch and it helped um, really strengthen my ability to use my hands as a way of healing. Now, when he, uh, when I started to get him to get to know him better and started to help him teach, I went to his house a couple of times and he showed me um, a much deeper level of how the hands can help the human body and how, you know, the body, uh, when it works properly, it should work like an orchestra, right? There are different organs, there are different, uh, blood vessels, muscles, joints. They all, um, they all have their purpose and they all have a different, they all have a different type of structure, but they all are comprised of, energy. There's always stuff going on in them. That's why bone is not just a hard structure. There's 
um, you know, there's a cell structure and within that cell structure, there's moving parts. So everything has a frequency to it. And when we can address that certain frequency and when we know that, you know, there are moving parts, we can, um, we can better understand that everything has the potential to change. Mm. That's why brain, bones break down over time. It's a protective thing. And what we can do is, whether it be through manual therapy or nutritional therapy or whatever it may be, whatever intervention, we can always have an effect, um, whether for better or for worse. Um, so what our job is, is to get that orchestra working better. And now that might be from a systemic level where it affects the whole band, or it might be an individual level where that person's instrument is out of tune. Um, we just need to be able to address the different frequencies. And there are ways of doing that with just touch alone. So interesting. So I know you keep talking about your hands and, you know, it, it just makes me think of Reiki and how Reiki is touch energy and it's like the transfer of energy. So do you feel like you have to take super good care of yourself to, you know, deliver some of the services you do? You have to be completely grounded. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times what, what I notice practitioners doing is that they use their own energy to provide that healing and they're not grounded. Yeah. Um, and what, when that happens, the provider gets sick, the provider gets affected. They're using their own energy to provide that healing. Instead, we need to kind of be conduits. We just need to like be more grounded in our, like when we're touching somebody and when we're healing somebody, that means leaving the baggage at the door. That means, you know, kind of being very present and we're going to talk more about this, but like some, sometimes that means just focusing on the breath and the more you can kind of get an idea of their breathing pattern and match theirs, mm. then you start become you start becoming more present with that person. You know, you start create, like you start, moving at the same frequency with when it comes to breathing and then you start you know that person becomes more comfortable and you also become more focused on what that body is doing that you're working on yeah that's interesting that made me think a lot about nlp which is neuro-linguistic programming and the whole point of that is to kind of mirror what the person that you're working with is saying or doing so that they feel comfortable because our brain is looking for like connections. Like we, we kind of feel safe when things are familiar. So that's why, you know, when we find people in our tribe, we want people who are similar because it makes us feel safe. So I think that is totally relatable when it comes to treating patients that you just want them to feel comfortable. And and that's also interesting because there's so many levels to the work you do. It's not just like learning how to manipulate. It's also making sure that the patients really feel safe to receive the services. Yeah. Yeah. If your mind is elsewhere, the patient will know yeah. um, and they won't heal as well. And that's because you are not, um, you're not amplifying how, what you're putting through. Like there, there's a whole level of healing touch, but if, but if you're so focused on yourself during that time and your mind is elsewhere, no matter what the reason is, even if you had a bad phone call or the last patient was giving you a difficult time and you carry that into the next person, you know, you're just not going to get the same results. Yeah. And that happens too often in the profession I work in where people are multitasking so much and they have multiple treatments going on at the same time and you know you just get shortchanged and you don't get the full attention um and especially you don't get the same energy as somebody who is there with you with no other distractions um that's kind of the cool part about doing the house call practice is that you know i have 
I go into somebody's space, they feel comfortable. And I also have nothing else around me that's going to distract me at that time. There's no phone call coming in. There's no like patient in the next room. There's no like possible thing that's going to get in the way. And it allows me to be um, a much more effective provider. I agree with you. I think being grounded and being present is the best gift that you can give anyone. Um, you know, when people know, like, they have your undivided attention, and, and you make them feel safe, that that's truly a gift. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I want to talk a little bit about grounding itself. I know there's so many ways that we can ground ourselves. But one of what are some of your favorite ways to get grounded, you know, maybe if things are a little bit crazy in the world, or maybe if you had a difficult patient, because I think we can all relate to these distractions or these things that kind of can try to throw us off. So what's your favorite way to ground yourself? My favorite way to ground myself when I like between treatments, sometimes if it's, if it's a lot, if it's a heavy load, it, it, a lot of times it comes down to just breathing and just kind of shake, like literally shaking things off. Sometimes I look silly, but I'll like brush myself off and just like, um, yeah, just kind of act as if it's just like crumbs that fell on me. And I just kind of try and brush it off and just move into the, the next person, the next experience, like just kind of, wiped clean i know it might not like have that effect but to me it's just like almost like a like a baseball player going up to bat where they just kind of do a certain thing where it gives them that you know that feeling of routine and that fresh start of like okay that i just did this this is my ritual sort of thing not every time i don't need that every single time i don't like do a whole like rain dance before i go into a treatment room but just kind of, you know, brush it off if, if you're feeling a little bit zapped. Um, if I'm, you know, especially with the masks, if you start feeling like dehydrated or short of breath, I'll like kind of tell the patient like, hey, just hold on, I need a drink of water, like resetting, getting that water, like, um, and just taking a breath and people are okay when you ask them, Hey, can I just have a minute? Yeah. And that's so important is just to slow other people down so that you can catch yourself back up. And as long as you communicate that and say, Hey, like, I just need a second. Um, and I'll be right back. I'm just going to go get a, get a drink of water, take it, take a couple of breaths and I'll be right back. Yeah. Um, I think people appreciate that a lot because they know you're not rushing into that next thing. Yeah, I'm all for normalizing taking breaks and, and taking care of yourself because I think that's really the reason that people do end up burning out or they do end up overstressed because they're not taking that time and they're not taking, they're not giving themselves the care that they really need. We all kind of need to take care of ourselves like we're little kids. We need to give ourselves time. We need to rest. We need to eat properly. And I think, you know, that's that's something that is kind of missing in, in our culture because it's just so fast-paced and so demanding. And yeah. Yeah. It's just go, go, go. And, um, you know, especially, I mean, having lived all over the country, like I noticed that happens a lot more in the East Coast, or at least the Northeast, um, where people are just, they are always feel like they're under the gun. They always feel like they're on the clock and that they're not taking time to slow down. They're not taking time to uh, get out and take some time for themselves. Um, and fortunately, I've been around every type of personality and my father's the same way where he's like always on the clock he's always counting down the making sure he's always productive and doing things that are like you know like he's working even though he's retired and it's like just give yourself a break like slow down 
like take some time because you're going to have a better impact when you have more energy to put out because you've taken time to sort of recharge your battery. Yeah. I want to talk about energy for a second because I feel like it's just what keeps coming up for me in this conversation. And when it comes to energy, how do you make sure I, this is kind of like a funny story, but I was watching a documentary and a chiropractor was in the documentary and he was using his hands to work with the bioelectric field, right. To change things with his patients and what was going on with them. So can you shine some light on that? If you have, some light to shine because it's I think it's fascinating like I'm really interested in it so what are your thoughts on that yeah well um it's kind of it's interesting because every single chiropractor does things differently Mm -hmm. and what one person's approach is I might be completely different than another person yeah um when what I've been taught and I'm still kind of wrapping my head around some of these things I'm being taught by my mentor but um, there are different entrance points and exit points for energy to come through you know just like I said when there's an energy in us that is there when we're alive and it's not there when we're dead right and that energy has to come through us in different ways if we act as sort of bridges, we can put off a lot of different types of frequencies and with our hands based off our hand position. And when we provide that frequency through a, di- a certain channel that energy comes into the body, it kind of recalibrates, um, has a recalibrating effect where it just like I said with the the orchestra and how that person's body or organ is out of tune, there are different reflex points for different organs and different systems. And sometimes when chiropractors like do some of that energetic type healing, they're trying to restore that vibrational pattern so that organ vibrates at a at the frequency it's supposed to. Um, like I said, I'm still kind of getting introduced to some of that work. So um, I have a very foundational type knowledge, but it's something that I'm striving to have a better understanding of. Unfortunately, the person that I'm learning from is one of the most profound healers when it comes to that type of work in this country. I had a friend who was a very avid athlete he was a um, very active person, very healthy, like lifestyle, but not a very healthy body. And it wasn't his fault. Like it was, he was, had a lot of complex medical conditions. It started with Lyme's disease and it just kind of compounded. And there were a lot of things that he had to deal with and he was suffering a lot. He was suffering from a lot of different symptoms and he uh went through the whole johns hopkins medical system and after this was after he got he was did a tough mutter and he qualified for nationals in the tough mutter so he did like 30 miles after maybe like a few miles he fell into a rock and broke his leg or what it seemed to be a broken leg he put it off for about a few weeks and they took an x-ray and the bone was fused to like the two long bones of the shin were fused together. And he also had an open hand wound and got osteomyelitis in his hand. So he had this like recurring infection in his hand that they kept doing surgery on and taking pieces of bone out. And it would just come back worse every time on top of all the other medical conditions that he was having. So he, at a certain point, he was being put on like all these different medications. He was being put through the whole Johns Hopkins medical system and like the best, some of the best doctors in the world. And they, they had no answers for him. They just, at a certain point, they just said it was in his mind and that's it. And he was just very heartbroken. So I referred him to the person I'm learning from. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what you're going to respond to, 
But if there's anybody who's who does things differently that will have the confidence to get you better, it's this person. And I referred him to who I'm learning from now, Dr. Ken Davis up in Montclair. And he drove from Annapolis up to Montclair, New Jersey every other week for about a year. And he experienced a full recovery and is now like feeling better than he's ever felt in his life. And it was from addressing the whole person. It was from seeing, like doing some of this work to get the body um, cleansed and get the certain organs that were like having a very hard time recovering to vibrate at a better, better frequency. Um, and like I said, I'm still learning some of the stuff. I'm still wrapping my head around some of these very, very large concepts that are, can be hard to understand and hard to, you know, get yourself on a level that allows you to think in that way, just because it, some of it's not fully explained by research. Some of it's not fully explained by, um, science, but, um, when you see the people respond in ways that other, they don't respond to with medicine, you can, you have to do what's best for the person. And a lot of times these things are what is what the person needs to experience that full recovery, even though there's no like article in the New England Journal of Medicine like supporting it. You know, there there is some validity to it when it's done over years and years and have has constantly seen positive results. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I just think it's it's about the energy and the vibration. For example, I was really stressed and really like not in the best place and I wasn't surrounding myself with good people. And I feel like when you shift your energy and you shift who you surround yourself with, you shift the energy that's going through you and make sure you're aligned with that like vital energy that's gonna help your body then everything changes so things like ibs or other bad symptoms from stress or just low vibration can change by just simply shifting things right makes sense kind of comes down to gene expression right yeah like our genes can express in different ways Mm -hmm. um you know they have that similar structure but if you know, all genes are made of proteins. Um, and those genes can be expressed in multiple different ways. Mm-hmm. And some, like when we go back into our like hereditary conditions, when it comes to like, you know, baldness runs in my family sort of thing, or like different things that we are, that have family ancestral um, impacts. That's because our, our gene expression um, is expressed in that way. But sometimes when our thoughts impact how our genes are expressed, just like, you know, when we are sick, we start looking unwell. You know, we have these different traits that make us look tired or make us look sick. And that's because our genes are expressing in that way if we feel sick. Um, Or if somebody walks into a room and they're in a bad mood, people can pick up on that. Yeah. Always. You know, it's very easy to tell. And like, um, when it kind of goes along the thought of if our thoughts can make us sick, if there's times where the energy that is around us or the energy that we are holding within ourselves is negative, then if we change that into something positive, can our thoughts make us well too? Yeah, I think positive thinking is so influential. And you know, when I had uh, my cousin, Tracy, who's a hypnotherapist on the show, we talked about how, you know, your thoughts influence your body. And, and so when you change the programming that's going on upstairs, you change the whole system. So it's, yeah. it's all connected. I really like your orchestra approach. I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple analogies I I got, um, but I won't go into all of them. It, it's but it's always cool when you have like a good analogy to kind of resonate to, like put out to other people so that they can sort of start seeing themselves at like they can start 
they know what a really good orchestra orchestra sounds like and they want to they can start imagining that and better like better visualize themselves as an, as an orchestra instead of like a healthy body because sometimes you don't know what that really looks or feels like you know when you can visualize when you know a beautiful piece of music you can start kind of breaking that down and see what's needed and sort of apply different things that you do towards like hey how do we make sure that everybody's everything is going at the same or at the beat it needs to yeah i think it's all about the harmony piece too like harmony is pretty easy to understand harmony is cohesive everything works well together and that's really what it comes down to is your body is a system and the system has different parts but parts need to work in cohesion so makes sense for sure so tell me a little bit about what you have going on, um, what's going on with your practice. And also, um, I'm curious how you educate patients. Um, I think that's a really important piece to healthcare is just educating people because I think there's a lot of unknowns when it comes to healthcare and when people can understand what's going on with their body, I think that gives them some power in their healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What I'm up to right now is I, I do house calls in, in uh, Middlesex and Monmouth counties. So, um, you know, that there's a, a couple of awesome reasons why I do that. First of all, it, it, like I said before, it allows me to go into people's spaces. It allows me to first make it more convenient for them. Um, it makes it safer for them. So like during this whole ben- pandemic, if people are scared to go into other, uh, into spaces with a lot of people that are going in there, like they don't have to worry about that. Um, but that's, that's just kind of a cherry on top. Really the biggest package that I provide is um, the fact that I'm in your environment. I'm in that person's house. Mm-hmm. And I can see the environment that they create for themselves. You know, I can see what's going on from a very deep level and get to know my patients on a level that honestly no other doctor does and can really help me ask questions and fit, like solve the riddle of what's going on a little bit better than like how to people typically do in an office setting. So I do house calls in central Central Jersey, mostly Middlesex and Monmouth counties. When it comes to educating, you know, it, it's a very, I know it's a very widely used thing, but a, like a very common thing that I implement with each patient is is breathing. Breathing is crucial, not and not just from a relaxation standpoint, which people tend to think that's more towards, but even from like going back to my sports medicine roots, like the, in, the role that the diaphragm plays when it comes to, first of all, turning on the parasympathetic system, getting things to rest and digest. Um, the, but it also provides a decompressive effect. So when we breathe properly through our nose, mm-hmm. um, it, allows us to properly use our diaphragm they use it um if we breathe through our mouths we do not use our diaphragm as well so the nose does a lot of important things it humidifies it helps kind of convert the oxygen into nitrous oxide and it also allows us to use the diaphragm to its fullest potential when we're able to do that it lifts up and provides that decompressive effect when we use our core to help stabilize. You know, our our diaphragm is the roof of our core. Yeah. And it keeps everything encapsulated. So if we don't breathe with our diaphragms, which is such a huge muscle, when you think about it, it goes along the entire, like from front to back, side to side, like at the bottom of the lungs and top of the organs, it kind of has a very important role. So when I teach people, whether they have pain or stress or, you know, disc issues, there's a, a 
cross multiplies and has a very profound effect in many ways. And I always start with that, not just for the relaxation aspect, but also for the rehab component and teaching people ways to help decrease their pain right away. Yeah. That's amazing. It's, it's like that rest and digest, like your body kind of needs to be in that state and you need to be, you know, providing oxygen to all the organs and cells and yeah. And also just from that like biomechanical aspect, like that still has a very important role to play. It's just that oftentimes we get limited to that Mm -hmm. when it comes to like physical therapy or chiropractic care or sports medicine, like if you only look at the biomechanical aspect, the diaphragm still has a very important role to play. But when you think about all the other, the more holistic things and the, the holistic health benefits that using your diaphragm to breathe does, in addition to the biomechanical thing, that the decompressive effect that it has and the state, core stabilization effect that it has, you know, we're going to have a much more profound uh, impact on the person that we're helping. Yeah, that's awesome. I think we hit all the things, um, but I do have one more question because I feel like in the healthcare world, inflammation is a big thing. I think a lot of people suffer from inflammation in some way or another. Um, so when it comes to what you do, um, how do you help reduce inflammation? Is it about, you know, tuning the systems back into like a healthy frequency? Is it about, you know, how do you see what you do in relation to inflammation? Well, that always, that's a great question. And it always starts with what the person's eating is ultimately what you put into your body is what you become. Yeah. If you're putting inflammatory foods into your body, and if you're eating things that are not easily digestible, your body's going to fight it. Your mm-hmm. body's going to fight to use it because it, that's all it has to create um, to re- create new cells. And our organs, our cells are constantly being re- recreated. Um, so what we eat is what we become, right? Uh, digressing from that, like if we are eating inflammatory things, um, inflammatory foods, sugars, whatever it may be, uh, that also really increases cortisol. When our cortisol levels are elevated, our ability to fight off inflammation decreases. Compounding on top of that, if we have stress and that increases our cortisol levels as well, that further decreases our ability to ability to fight off inflammation. So we have all these things that are kind of going against our ability to actually fight off inflammation. First of all, by adding inflammatory like things to our diet and decreasing our inflammatory response by suppressing our immune system through cortisol. Um, you know, we just have a lot of things kind of going against ourselves and getting in the way of our process. So I, I always start like telling people, you know, go more towards a plant, even if it's temporarily, go more towards a plant-based type diet. Not completely, but just take a break from some of the red meat, some of the junk food that you're eating. Just take a small break and see how you feel. Additionally, just like you can do manual therapy on soft tissues and joints, you can also do manual therapy on the organs. So a lot of what I do is visceral type manipulation where, um, you know, even if it's just like kind of getting in and pumping through the liver and breaking up some of the um, adhesions and just the mobility of the gut region, I don't hear of many people who actually work in like the visceral component of manual therapy. Yeah. And that's going to help, you know, kind of get all the parts moving and it's going to um, help the liver kind of function better without resistance because that liver needs to have um, zero resistance as the blood flows through it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I uh, think, you know, that that just kind of like shines a light on why movement and massage are so important too, because they essentially do that. Um, and I think even just teaching people like, okay, you know, you can do some of these things on your own, not all things, but some things are appropriate, like belly massages or things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think people, um, when they only focus on, on the skeletal muscle, you know, there's, it's so limited and, you know, just like the heart can refer pain to the left shoulder. We don't know if the, an organ is referring pain to our low back. And unless we treat that, like that cause, we're always going to have that pain because we've never addressed the actual cause of the issue. Um, we might have an impact on like the symptom of that low back pain, like for a temporary, temporary period of time. But unless we actually address the cause, if that pain is being referred from a different um, area of the body, then we're never gonna actually help that patient fully. It just goes to show that the body is a very, amazing thing and send signals in ways that we need to think a little bit further outside the box than we're used to. Yeah. I ask you questions all day. <laughs> all right, Kevin, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to listen to you. I'm so glad you came on. So I just want to say thank you so much. Rachel is an absolute pleasure and I look forward to more conversations like this. Yeah. Do you want to drop any info about maybe some things that you're working on or coming up with in the future? Absolutely. I'm trying to come up with some YouTube and just some video content. So I'll make that public once I kind of get my energy together and get that out there. As for projects, it's really just kind of focusing on, you know, building this house call practice of my own and just trying to get the get the word out and see how many people I can help in this uh, during these times people who are uncomfortable with going out into the world I'm happy to come to your space and treat you where you feel most comfortable so as for now that's kind of where I'm putting most of my energy towards yeah that's awesome well I know that whoever checks out this podcast will certainly be intrigued to give you a call so again thank you so much Thank you. Hey friend, thanks for checking out this episode of the Solutions Podcast. For more episodes just like this, be sure to subscribe. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at Solutions Pod. Thanks again for listening and be sure to check out our next episode.